What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 61 of the Lynch Leader Podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have led with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the space and the place that God has put us. Well, today is going to be a fun episode. We have had such a great fall here in 2019, hearing from so many interesting people who have such different vantage points on leadership. We've been on the NFL field with Jack Easterby and Daniel Jeremiah. We have been in the counseling office, in the pastor's office with Dr. Gary Chapman. We've been in the boardroom and the and the thought leader with Dan Rockwell in our last episode. Well, today we get talked to In 2018, he was voted as one of Atlanta's most admired CEOs, and that's Mr. Pat Flood. Pat is the regional operating partner of Supreme Lending. He's been in the mortgage business for years and has carved out a reputation in that industry as somebody that has a heart for people and a heart for the Lord and a heart for business. Today, you are going to love hearing Pat's story. His story from how he grew up to how he knew this is what he wanted to do to having to start over and having to begin again. What an incredible story. But what I love most about Pat is his heart for the Lord and what he sees, the platform that God has given him. You know, we always use that that phrase, live out your journey in the space and the place that God has put you. Pat is doing that, and he is making a difference. So I want you to pull up a chair and I want you to listen in to my conversation with Pat Flood. Well, Pat, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of Lynch with a Leader. It is an honor to have you. Hey, I'm humbled, Mike, that you'd ask. So let's get working. Let's do it. Listen, you graduated from Winthrop University, 1985, and you started in the mortgage industry. Did you ever dream? All these years later, you would still be there? Uh, No, and I'll tell you that um, it's fascinating because my father-in-law probably 10 years ago, at one time in a conversation, he's very close to me, said, hey, do you still love the mortgage industry? And for a moment, I I told him, I said, I've forgotten I was in the mortgage industry. I started (laughs) in the business and had, had to learn the trade, but very quickly, I got in touch with the probably one gift that God gave me, and that was to influence and bear influence on the lives of other people. And it just so happened that it happened in the mortgage industry. But I enjoy what I do every day because it's, um, you know, the industry itself is all about relationships and about people. And so that's where um, I have the best opportunity to uh, bear influence for the Almighty. Well, you started with Home Bank Mortgage Company and and then quickly ascended to the leader of that. What was it like to be on that scream machine ride that you were on during those years, those early years of home bank, when, when your role began to change and things began to grow in that? 
You know, it's so interesting because I started in the, in the company that became Home Bank. It was a company called Home Federal Savings and Loan. And there were two principals that were running both the mortgage company and the bank at the time. And, and they were very bright individuals and very talented business people, if you will. They hadn't really planted a seed to build, you know, something that was distinguished from a cultural standpoint. And so we became a cultural clash after I started becoming very influential in the company in terms of the business effect every day I was having, growing the business, creating a culture. Um, we, we wound up and I sat down and I said, listen, guys, you know, as gentlemen, I'm not going to lead the organization, but I don't think it's going to work out that we're going to stay together. And, and uh, we worked through that very difficult conversation, difficult time afterwards. But it was really at that moment that God was just putting on my heart that there is a uh, a purpose for business that simply put, most people don't get. Um, if you're a Christian, the assembly of people can only be if you're in a position of leadership for one purpose, and that is to foster and facilitate that people that know God will love him even more by being involved with it. And for people that don't, will get a chance to get to meet him through um, the reflection of his character and everything you do from the culture standpoint. So, you know, it was, it was a um, interesting moment and I put my job on the line to have that conversation. But, you know, after a long walk on the beach with my pops, um, I realized that I, I didn't have any choice in it and that was okay. I wasn't afraid of losing my job. I was afraid of disappointing the almighty God. It, it was living out your faith in what you do every day, something that came natural for you, sort of what was the evolution there that you went through? You know, from the time I was a little uh, boy, um, I was, uh, you know, playing sports. So, you know, growing up in Miami, I played baseball, football, basketball, and all the youth leagues. And I was really, I was blessed to be a really, really good athlete. And my dad one time told me when I was walking off the football field, I was quarterbacking a, a, a 12 year old team. He said, you are one heck of a leader. And it stuck in my mind because it just felt like it fit me. Like he was telling me the truth about me. And it was and is my probably the one thing that God gave me that is distinguished about Patrick Flood. He anointed me, I feel like, to bear influence on other people. And I, I'm not better for that. It's like the parable of talents, right? It's just the talent that he gives you. You own up to that. And and uh, it's interesting because that same year, we won a bunch of games. The coach at the end of the year told my dad, hey, Tom, which is my dad's name, he said, it was a pleasure playing for your son this year. So, you know, the <laughs> idea, <laughs> you know, so I think, um, you know, over time, when I got into business, Mike, the biggest thing for me was the, the knock on the door when I was taking responsibility for people. I felt this amazing responsibility to be a benefit to them. And so, you know, the Bible was sitting on my desk, the back of my desk, and, and I started reading it every single morning at work. And it was like almost amazing that every day it played itself out where people would tell me, wow, that's really wise of you. Or I would make a choice and a decision. It didn't seem like it was consistent with the protocol of business, but people seemed to, to be drawn to it and attracted to it. So, you know, I just, um, I started becoming, you know, kind of a serial reader every morning and, and have been ever since. And, and I, I made a commitment that I was not going to deviate because business has, certain processes and protocols in the world that we live in. Because, you know, it's like I tell folks, when Warren Buffett meets 
the almighty God. He is the Oracle of Omaha, considered on this earth to be the greatest investor to ever live. I don't think the almighty God is going to say, wow, I've been waiting my entire life to meet you. You know, you're the greatest investor in history. So I think he's going to very quickly get to not to judge Warren Buffett because I don't know the man, but it's really about the influence that we, we bore on earth with the leadership opportunity that we were given. And I remind myself that every single day, that it has nothing to do with me. It has all to do about what I'm going to do to invest in the lives of others and hopefully make a difference to the kingdom. And you guys did a phenomenal job with that at Home Bank. I got to be uh, a few of those years. You were very close with my mentor and and the guy that really poured into my life, Ike. And, and because of that, I got to be around you guys a little bit. And man, you you were very open there at your company about your faith, very open about, I remember being there with uh, Dr. Bruce Wilkerson as he shared. Yep. And man, those were just some powerful, powerful moments there with your company. But things things came unraveled a little bit and what became a great ride became a very tough time for you. When When you left Home Bank, what was that valley like? How did you how did you handle that? And how did your faith play into it? So you you mean uh, when I was fired? <laughs> 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 um, so <clears throat> interesting um, that you know I I spent twenty two years um, a part of that story called Home Bank, and it had become a Fortune one hundred best place to work the last four years I was there. It had gone from being, you know, basically 25 or 30 <clears throat> average citizens, folks, and wound up being 13, 1400 people. And the day I left, it was worth just under $300 million, according to the New York Stock Exchange. <clears throat> the, um, the board decided to sell it, amongst other things. Um, and the reality of it is, is that they, they did. They fired me. And it was um, driving home that day at 45 years old. Um, it was the first time that I didn't have a job since I'd gotten out of college. And the first time I was not going to go back to work at the same company. And I told people at the time I had one wife and expected and hoped I'd I'd retire with her and retire from the same organization. If I ever did retire, it was a very difficult next step. And I'll tell you the way I got back into the business, I had decided I'd stay out of the business for a while contractually. Um, I had decided that I would do anything for God other than the mortgage business. I, I wanted to run away from it. I wanted to get away from the pain, if you will. And so I talked to my wife, Lisa, during about a 10-month sabbatical that I had while I was waiting to see what was going to happen to Home Bank. And during the 10 months, I was um, thinking about coaching sports. I was thinking about doing anything, writing, speaking. Um, the only thing she said she didn't want me to do was become a pastor. <laughs> so... <laughs> She said she didn't think she'd be a good pastor's wife. But anyway, so I, the night I called me and told me that there was going to be a bankruptcy filing, it was the night before, I, I, I got on the street, took a run, and a gal, the first gal I'd ever met when I got in the business who still works for me today, Sandra Waterman, she was typing an email while I was crying, running, begging God for conviction and what would be next in my life. I said, I don't care what it is, except the mortgage business, just give me the same conviction um, so that I can do things that would be beneficial for the cause. And um, when I got back, I had an email waiting for me from Sandra Waterman, who I hadn't talked to in months. And only she could write what she wrote. 
And it was basically an encouragement for me to start over again in the business. And wow. I cried my eyes out and decided that that was God's way of, um, of having some fun. I, I asked only to not be in the mortgage business. He said it's in the mortgage business. So I opened a mortgage company at the time in the worst market in the history of mankind. I mean, you couldn't pick a worse time. But I again, it gets to this issue, what are you afraid of, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I was afraid of disappointing God, not afraid of losing financially. So we started in, um, in the latter part of 2007. And for three years, it was three and a half years. It was terribly difficult. We just paid bills. And, uh, and then, you know, the momentum began turning the business a bit from the worst market in history to a little bit better than that. And, and then I really needed to get uh, healed myself. You know, I know what the grieving process is like, because, you know, you can grieve for a person that you lost, but you can also grieve for um, an organization if it if it means something, if it's if it's changed people's lives. And that company meant something not only to me, but so many others, and it changed people's lives. So, you know, I, I look back now and realize that it took me a while to get myself back, not only my confidence, but just to get healed. Um, and, 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 you know, in the last six, seven years, it's been an amazing, amazing ride. Um, and, and I feel just a tremendous, um, uh, hum- I, I'm so humbled that God has restored, um, an opportunity for me to be, um, working for him. What, what did you learn, Pat, during that season that makes you a better leader today? What was it that, that during that, during that season and its desperation in so many ways, we throw our hands up and go, God, all right, we don't, I don't even know what to do. What did you learn during that time that you look back in today and go, man, I wouldn't be who I am today without it? You know, what I learned is that um, I love uh, the book of Job because you know, the, the, the truth is we all will have a version of that as a part of our own lives. And what I have learned and learned during that period, especially, is that I can't worry about what others say or think about me. What I need to continue to focus on is asking God for direction to, so that he can confirm so that I can get convicted about the things that I'm doing with the talent that he's given me. And then I need to have a trust and a confidence that circumstances currently can change very quickly. Both the season can go from good to bad or bad to good, but he expects me to trust him regardless of the circumstances. And when I, when I see many people today, Mike, I see them and their circumstances create either um, uh, anxiety or fear or create worry and fret. And God tells us not to do any of those things, but to trust completely him. So long as we're doing the things that we need to be doing that he's called us to do, the circumstances in the season, they change. And, and you know, the reality of it is, is that we all have to go through that time of, of adversity in our life. And if we'll accept it rather than reject, you know, most people mm. pray, dear Lord, make everything go exactly the way I want it to. Amen. Instead of dear Lord, Whatever the design is that you have for my life, I want that to happen. I'll accept it the way you design it because I know it's beneficial for me in the long run. It will bring something out of me that doesn't currently exist that ultimately leaves me in a position where I can be a better influence to others and tell a story like this one. Boy, that's so good. And I love that because everybody's going to walk through that season. Here's 
got to be in the public spotlight. Others, people may never hear about, but it's equally as devastating. And I love that little phrase, accept it and, and learn from it because you go from that Valley when you went on the run that night and she was typing the email that I think God had probably prompted her heart to type. Little did you ever dream in 2018, you'd be voted in the Atlanta Business Chronicle as one of Atlanta's most admired CEOs. At, at that point, when you went on the run that night with tears in your eyes, did you ever even dream that would be possible again? No, and my uh, I'm sure my high school principal and my college president are surprised as well. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we don't take no, votes on that, man. Well, you know, no, you know what happens is is um, is when I look back now to that night, the one thing that that I think we 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 get wrong, Mike, is especially in business. You know, I had this conversation with Ike. You know, I've never read about anybody retiring in scripture, right? Mm. And retirement is a relatively new generational idea the last seventy five years. And why is retirement something that people decide to do? Because people work purposefully now for money as opposed to working purposefully for the purpose um, and the purpose of, of affecting and influencing the lives of others with whatever it is that, that treasure-wise that God has given you. And when you do that, the idea of retirement or the idea of making money just doesn't get in, in, in the middle of it. And so what I found is that people are drawn, they are drawn naturally to leadership and to culture that they know cares more about them and about influencing them, encouraging them, holding them accountable than how much money they could ultimately make. Of course, we all want to make the most money we can make. I mean, there's no one I've ever met that says, no, I want to make less than that. But the truth of the matter is, is that, is that what people really need is bigger than just a paycheck. They need something more than that. So, you know, I, I it doesn't surprise me the outcome because God will use um, average people throughout scripture he did, right? Um, Moses had a speech That's impediment right. and David was not big enough. And, you know, all of the people that, that get used are people that just allow God to use them. And when that takes place, then average guys like Patrick Flood can wind up being on stage as one of the most admired CEOs, which um, is fascinating because at HomeBank, um, I was actually the CEO uh, and and never got to that place. And, and it's just fascinating that it happened at this stage in my life. You begin Covenant Mortgage Company. Now, today, uh, you're Supreme Lending, regional operating partner with Supreme Lending. And God is using you guys in some big ways. One of the top places to work, one of the best places and environments, culture-wise, people want to serve in. And I know for you, the mission you guys are about is everything. Serve others above self. Tell me a little bit about where that comes from and how that drives what you guys do day in and day out. Yeah, you know, it, it comes exactly from the scripture, right? When Jesus was asked, he said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve, right? So if, if we created that, what we tell people here, Mike, is that is that, you know, once you get rid of the, the, the church name and once you get rid of, you know, a lot of the, the institutionalizing of church, nobody's really offended when you make their life more important than your own in a relationship. No one's offended when you live selflessly 
and you treat them better than they deserve to be treated. No one is offended when you honor them uh, in every possible way, regardless of what they've done or what they might do back. No one's offended when you know when you don't judge them. Rather, you just accept them for who they are and where they are at this point in life and love on them. So, you know, that's where, you know, that the, the serving others before self came from. We don't hide where it came from, but we tell people, forget whether or not you go to church or not, or whether or not you're a believer. I am. It doesn't all that sound like the makings of a great relationship, right? Where someone else would treat you better than you deserve to be treated, would honor you all the time, independent of what you may or may not do back where someone would love you and accept you for just the way you are. And no one that I've ever encountered here, and we have people that are non-believers that have been traveling with me for 20 plus years now. They, you know, they're some of the greatest Christian people I ever met. They just don't identify Christianity as the source of their behavior. Right. So, but they all, you know, I mean, to a great extent, we're, we're just teaching the lessons that God asked us to teach, serve the community, love your neighbor, forgive others, honor others, um, you know, and, and to the extent that I leave the rest of it up to Ike and you on Sundays and Andy Stanley, that's what we do. We, you know, we do our part during the course of the week to pick up after you guys have done your work on Sundays. That's so good. You know, it is, it, we say this all the time, people were so drawn unbelievers were so drawn to Jesus. Religious people weren't, but unbelievers were. And when you begin to create that culture of living out that it really is Christ-likeness, it is, uh, you know, Scripture calls it the aroma of Christ. It's a fragrance. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Do you think that's where a lot of the trust that you guys are building with your employees for them to go, man, I wouldn't want to work anywhere else. This place is incredible. Do you think a lot of the trust comes from the way you guys are living out your faith? Yeah, I absolutely believe it. I, I think my, I mean, our turnover rate is like 2%. Um, um, 100, 168 people that are here um, because they, they know deep down inside that our decision-making process doesn't ever vary. It, it, it's always it's always through the prism of serving others before self, and and we never put money in front of a human being ever. And what happens under that scenario is when people believe that they matter, that they're the highest priority. And you know, a lot of people that are not in those cultures think, uh, "What are you? What are you really nice to them?" Yes. Um, that doesn't mean. <laughs> That doesn't mean you don't hold them accountable to a high standard. Mm. I mean, you know, my dad is the greatest father on earth in history, in my view. My dad, as I always describe him, you know, on his best days, he was, he was, uh, I saw the almighty father on earth, right? But he was both the, he's the unconditional lover, my dad is, um, always accepting his son, no matter the circumstances. Um, And on the other end of the spectrum, He's the ultimate accountability partner, holding me to the highest standard and version that Patrick Flood could have been as a young man. And and even to today, I call him still now at 50, I'm 56, he's 81 years old. He's still, God bless him, he's still in great health and he's got all of his, you know, uh, wisdom still. And, you know, I still want to hear his voice affirm me, but I also know that the standard that he expects of me um, is is the best of 
what I can deliver. And so I think you can do both. And in our environment here, we do both. We, we both love on people unconditionally. And of course, we're very nice to them. Um, but at the same time, there still is not work to do per se. There's their God-given talent, and God would want us to shine that up, would want it to be affirmed by the rest of the world, because that's what makes people really happy when they're using the God-given gift, not to make money, but to allow the world to experience the gift that God gave them in the workplace. When that happens, joy takes place with them. They feel that affirmation from others about their own gift. And, and that really is kind of the secret sauce, if you will. And it's, all, it's not all that secret anyway. I, one of the things I was reading about what you guys do is one day a week, you do something special, bring in Chick-fil-A, bring in Panera Bread, do things for your employees. Where did, where did that idea come from? Was that so you could build a great, healthy culture? Or where, where did that whole drive come from to do something special for your team one day a week? You know, one of the things that um, that came out of the rebuilding was, and I told Lisa this because she was really a big encouragement. My wife is just like my best friend and, and soulmate, and she's like, she's she's amazing. But she she um, when I told her that we were gonna, you know, that I believe God was calling us to do this, and I think you know we're gonna cap out at about 150 people. She said, "Why is that?" I said, "Because then I'll know every single person's name." And you know, at the last five, six, seven, eight years of Home Bank. I spent so much of my time with lawyers and accountants and investors and analysts and board members, and that was my responsibility. So I was not going to do anything other than execute my responsibility because if it was benefiting everyone else, um, I was going to be in a position where I was going to be happy. But you know, but the bottom line is now I get a chance to to walk desk to desk and give away a Chick Fil A biscuit. And I get that personal exchange with people, and it's like this. Um, it's more than the biscuit. There's this this um, belief that we're in it together. I'm not better than you. My job's just different than yours, um, and it's not any more powerful than yours. I do my job, you do your job, and together we make music together in the business that we're in. So that's really kind of the design that we have. And it's you know Chick Fil A is a cool organization. I <laughs> I love them so. You know, and we do serve egg white grills too. They're 25 gram protein and only 300 calories. So <laughs> solid, man. Solid. Keeping them healthy too. Keeping them healthy. Yeah, we tell them if you want to get really healthy, just take the top lid off and just only eat one of the lids. Uh, that is so good. That is so good. We were talking even before we went on today about one of the things that you've worked on there is a goal setting program for your team, personal, professional best. Tell everybody a little bit about what that has done for your organization and even what it's done for you as y'all walk this journey together. Mike, this is like the greatest thing um, in my life today, because what I fundamentally know about Patrick and my dad helped me with this when I was growing up is that, you know, I never forget. I had this ball game I'm playing and I hit four straight hits. And at the end of the game, we were killing the other team and I, I kind of lost my focus and, I flew out and I get in the car afterwards and I'm, you know, expecting all the other dads probably wanted me to be their kid that night. Right. My dad asked me what happened the last time I was up. He knew that I lost my concentration. He didn't care about the four hits. He cared about me staying on, on task. So I've, I've always pursued every day, 
the idea that getting better in life is something that I want to do. And then I identified, I was in prayer about four years ago at the end of the year, like, Lord, is there something else you want me to do um, in stewarding the people that I'm responsible for? And this personal professional best idea came to bear. And so what we know, Mike, is that all of us share six areas of life in common, family and relationship, health and fitness, personal finance, fun and recreation, faith and community service, and business. And what I have is I have 40 plus hours a week of people's attention so that I can shape a message that they ought to be focused specifically, intentionally on being better in family and relationship, on taking better care of themselves physically, on managing their money uh, differently so that they can have more fun when they have recreation, mm. so that they will give back to their communities. And if you do all those things really well intentionally, you'll be better in business as well. It's all tied together. Let's face it. If you're not doing well in relationship at home um, and you're out of shape and you're spent out on your credit cards, you're not going to have a lot of fun in life. And if you go on vacation, you're probably putting it on a credit card. It won't be so good. You have no money to give to anyone else. And in business, you show up and my God, you're a mess. So what we want people to do and put their goals in writing and they do once a year. Um, and then what we do is we have once a month, call where we pick one of those six topics and we bring usually a guest speaker in and we speak specifically into that topic with the idea of encouraging, inspiring, and and holding accountable people to the highest standard. And Mike, listen, we've had over a thousand pounds lost now. We've had people um, ask their step-parents to adopt them. Um, we've had um, reconciled marriages. We've had reconciled mom and uh, childs. We've had um, people pay off their debt and down their debt going to the, the, the Dave Ramsey groups. Um, we've got so many stories now because we've just made it important that they think about becoming their best, writing their best life story. Because most people just get up every day. And if you ask them, you know, how you doing? Just trying to make it through, yep. just trying to get through another day, you know, and, and life is so much bigger than that. I don't care where you're at right now. It can be so much better than that. If you'll simply take the time to, to, you know, it's like the GPS system, right? You put the destination is, you know, where you are, you get a plan to get there, you get on the road and you have a voice of accountability. So we're doing all those things that are really pretty simple, but intentional. And, and what's happened now is we have stories after story, after story of people making life change and, and I see it in them. They, they can't wait to tell me about the things that they're doing. And I'm doing the same thing. I'm telling them the stuff that I'm working on in life so that we're all vulnerable to the extent that we all have stuff that we need to work on. But at the same time, it's, we're all intentional and purposeful. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that doesn't cost anything. Although I give away a lot of money in the program, every time we have a, a meeting, I give away probably – you know, five or $10,000 randomly. And otherwise, if people are writing great stories, I want to reward them and incent them to do so. But th the program itself doesn't cost anything. And for a leader, you know, it's, it's what great coaches, coaches do, right? And make people take, take responsibility for honing their craft, not just in the profession they're in, but in their life at large, you know? And so we want people to be better parents, better husbands, better sons and daughters. We want them to be better community servants. We want them to be in better shape, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's what we're up to these days with personal professional best. 
What was so good about that? I was reading that earlier and I was thinking, you know, anybody can do that in any organization, whether it's a church, business, school, anybody has the opportunity if they'll take the time to set up a program like that for their team. And I, man, I applaud you guys because that is, that is something that will go with folks the rest of their lives. And that is, That's right. that is incredible. Who is somebody that pushes you? You know, you're a driver, you're a pusher, you are a man, you're a guy who sees vision and sets vision and goes after things. Who is that voice in your life that you go, here's somebody that I really admire that I'm that I'm really trying to live up to, or here's somebody I really try to model my leadership after? Anybody like that in your life? You know, that's a great question. So there's there's my dad is is ultimately, you know, we call him in our family the source. Mm. Um is like the most amazing, I mean amazing guy I've ever met because he you know, he is, is planted the seed of faith in our entire family. So he's somebody that I want to do my best for. Um, he's not at that place in life now, other than all things wisdom, where, you know, he's giving me necessarily ideas. But, you know, when I first told him I was thinking about doing this, he said, you're on to something, man. I'm telling you, it's so simple, but it's so profound. Uh, and he's on our program, by the way, Dave Wadden. He says that his goals, he's probably the most detailed guy that I have in the program right now. It's fascinating. Uh, my wife is someone that she doesn't say anything other than I want to, I want to, I want her to look at me um, in a way that, that I know that I've made her proud with the mm -hmm. things that I do in my life. Um, all right. I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose a couple of fans here. If I have any that I've gained so far, um, um, I should caveat by saying I like Georgia too, but my money went to Tuscaloosa. And <laughs> I, I think what Nick, I think what Nick Saban is doing Right now, there's great coaches, Coach K up at Duke, that are doing the same thing. I heard um, when Dean Smith died, you know, four or five years ago, they had like four decades of players come on. And it was really a profound moment, Mike, because I was listening for sports, sports talk for like two hours. These people come on and talk about Dean Smith, who had played for him. Nobody talked about basketball. They wow. talked about the impact that he had made on their lives as 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 people, as parents, as kids, as community citizens, it was amazing, and I and it was just a reinforcement of what we already know is true, right? The very best coaches, and I think Coach Sagan is doing this now. He's encouraging these young men to to think about being um, full of character and integrity in their entire life, right? And then you know he teaches them the process of being good at anything, and there is a process. So personal and professional best is really an intentional, deliberate process that has people identify where they think life would be if it was at its best in family relationships and health and fitness and personal finance, fun and recreation, uh, faith, community service, and in business. And so then they can pursue it. So my pops, because he is the greatest man I've ever met on the planet, my wife, because I just want to make her proud. And right now it's, it's um, the guy over in uh, in. Uh, Tuscaloosa, because I think what he's doing um, as a CEO um, is very similar to what we're trying to get done here, not just on the field um, and in the in the business sense, but really trying to change people's lives entirely. You you may not like Saban, but you can't argue with him. You cannot argue <laughs> with what with what. And as a Georgia Tech fan, that it that the word Nick that the words Nick Saban hurt Georgia fans' hearts makes me happy. 
but man, the guy, the guy really is, it, it's amazing to watch and the longevity he's done it with. There's a different version of him now at, um, at UGA. I mean, Kirby smart is, That's um, right. you know, he's a tremendous guy first. Um, and, and he's, uh, he's doing a lot of the same things his own way from, you know, his style, but you know, he's getting to the same things. He's going to talk about the same things about kids owning up to be their best in life outside of just football. And, and I really think a leader that's worth his salt isn't, you know, isn't judged by God on how much money they've made or helped others make. Um, I think that is, is God's business. I think our, our business, that is the outcomes, our business as leaders that claim, you know, what we claim in terms of our belief and have the hope that we do as a result of it, our, our job is to affect um, and infect people so that they see better for their lives. You know, God wants us to take good care of our relationships and honor our spouses. He wants us to take care of our bodies. He wants us to be good stewards of the resources that we have and not live in stress financially. You know, I, all the things that we're doing are really just affecting and infecting the way people live out their lives. And if they, if we have any meaning as leaders, I think we do that. Didn't you love that time with Pat? You know, what I love is I'll talk to people from crazy different worlds, crazy different industries, different backgrounds, different stories growing up. But when you have a heart for the Lord, it combines your heart with everything else. And it makes everybody's story so different, but it also makes their stories so, so similar. And Pat's heart for Jesus and his heart for people is really unmatched. And I've seen him up close and personal and got a very, very good friend that's worked with Pat for years. And he he just swears by the man that he is. And I, after spending that time with him and on some other things I've done with him before, I have absolutely no doubt that what you see is what you get. Thank you, Pat, for sharing your story with us. Thanks for sharing your life with us. Thanks for sharing your journey with us because it makes all of our journeys a little bit better because you have shared yours. You know, we make a comment at North Star all the time is, and it's our story is not for ourselves. Our story is for somebody else. And there is no doubt that Pat has taken his story and has made our stories a little bit better. Thank you, Pat Flood. You're a great, great man. Well, on our next episode of Lynch with a Leader, it is a bonus episode. It is one that has just come about with a, uh, a new book that's out. You may be familiar with the name Mark Batterson. Mark has written so many incredible books that have just riveted the marketplace. And he's been one of those pastors that I have followed for years from afar. And today, in our next episode, we are going to get to sit down with Mark and hear his story and hear what got him to the point he could write a book called Double Blessing. It is going to be a blast. So you'll get to hear that episode next week. So thank you so much for joining in. If you get a chance today, stop, hit pause. If you're on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, go to the comment section and leave a comment, if you would, a review. 
It helps us move up the charts. It helps us be listened to by other people that may not know who we are. And it will give us a great platform to help others live out the journey that God has called them to live. So until next Monday, go live out the journey God's called you to and be the person you were created to be in the space and the place that God has put you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.